Matthew chapter number 24. Matthew chapter number 24. Go down to verse number 30. And uh, I didn't preach this morning, so I don't know how much teaching I'm going to get done tonight. <laughs> I've got preach all up in me. And... Uh, <laughs> I probably will, Brother Ricky. <laughs> Boy, it just got real big. Preparing and studying and reminding myself he's coming. Christ is coming. He's going to rapture the church, no doubt. We talked about that. We'll talk about that a little bit tonight. But one of these days, he's going to split the sky. <laughs> There's going to be return to earth. Our Lord's coming. Our Savior is coming. I'm coming back with them. But I'm glad that he's coming. Here's the thing tonight, church. I, I know his presence. The same God that walked up into a hospital room with me and my wife, the same God that walked into your valley, into your trial, into your most discouraging place, your, your most hard place in life, the same God that walked up into that and you felt his presence and his word became real, he's coming. He's coming tonight because, because he's God, but also because he loves us. Well, I'm glad he's coming tonight. Look at Matthew chapter 24. Go down to verse number 30. The Bible says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Can I say the day that changed history as we know it was that resurrection morning when Christ got up out of the grave. But there's another day on the calendar that it's going to absolutely blow the minds of this world. It is when Christ returns in bodily form and he comes back with power and, and might and strength. And that's my king that's coming back and I'm coming back with him tonight. I just want to rejoice on the fact that I'm on the winning side and that I'm not a loser anymore, that grace has made a change in my life. I don't deserve a blessed rip of it, but I'm saved by grace tonight and my king's coming back. Now take your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 19. Go down to verse number 11. How many are glad that he's coming tonight? Boy, it ought to change the way we live. It ought to change our focus tonight that he's coming back, amen. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Go down to verse number seven. The Bible said, let us be glad and rejoice. It's not a, it's not a suggestion. Let us be glad and preacher, I ain't got nothing to rejoice about. I ain't got nothing to be happy about. I ain't got nothing to put a smile on cross my Yeah, you do, he's coming. He's coming tonight. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife hath made it. That verse still blows my mind. The wife, the bride of Christ, hath made herself ready. Do you realize that you and I struggle and fight every day just trying to please God and trying to do right? We battle our flesh day in and day out, and there's never been a day where I've gone to bed at night feeling like I've been a success at the Christian life. There's never been a day where I've gone to bed saying I have done absolutely everything God wants me to do, but can I say there's coming a day when there will be an opportunity for you and I as the bride of Christ to make ourselves ready for him. We'll be perfect. We'll be uh, amazing in that sense. 
The Bible said, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor uh, for him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready and, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Can I say, you and I got some clothes we didn't earn. <laughs> we got a righteousness that we didn't buy, that we didn't work for. Christ has given it to us. Then he saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Now we like to joke about things that are going to be there. We believe that fried chicken and, and we believe that honey buns and, and twin bing bars and Chick-fil-A is going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But may I remind you, no, in our Bible doesn't tell us what he's going to feed us and what's going to be served. The reality is I don't think we're going to care. I don't think we're going to get up there and say, Oh, Lord, you know how I feel about green peas. No, we're going to sit down at the, the table and there's the Lord sitting there with us and we're going to fellowship with him. And reality is when you get around him, nothing else really matters. We say there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. That's where the, the, we'll sit down with, with Christ and we will, we will fellowship with him. These are the true sayings of God. And the Bible said, John said, and I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see that thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. That the understanding there is I'm a slave like you. Nothing, nothing great. I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Here, John has got so excited. He's got so, so, so just amazed at what he's seeing. He's fallen down at the feet of an angel and begin to worship him. And the angel says, oh, no, not so. I'm not the one worthy to worship. And then verse number 11, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had, no, he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that he that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of the almighty God. How many of you ever heard of the battle hymn of the Republic? <laughs> they weren't singing about Dixie. They were singing about the coming of the Lord. My eyes have seen the coming of, not Dixie, my eyes have seen the coming of the Lord. And as a matter of fact, there's a direct quotation of the winepress of God in verse number six, and he hath in his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. As the old black preacher S.M. Lockridge said, that's my king. Let's pray tonight. The heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you, Lord, that you're coming again. Lord, we do know that you're gonna rapture the church out of here. We do know that, Lord, that as, Lord, saved individuals, Lord, you've not appointed us to wrath Lord, by your grace and by your mercy, Lord, there's going to be a great, great day, Lord. The sound of the sound, Lord, will be called up together in the air and we'll be with you forever. And Lord, there are some things that we look forward to and we long for and we're excited about. And I pray, Lord, tonight that we would let that, uh, Lord, just work in our hearts and excite us, encourage us, to remind us, Lord, that we're not on the winning, we're on the losing side. That, Lord, you've won the battle. Though society does not like us and society, we don't fit in, Lord, that's okay. Lord, my residency, my citizenship is no longer in this society. It's in heaven tonight. Lord, help me to be an ambassador for Christ. Lord, help me to get up every day excited saying today could be the day that, Lord, you call me home. 
knowing that, Lord, when that moment takes place, a set of events are going to take place, and one day, Lord, I'm going to come back with you. And, Lord, I'm going to watch you do what only you can do. Lord, like I've seen you do so many times in my life, Lord, there's so many uh, mile markers I could go back to, Lord, where your grace and your mercy and your power and your might was present in my life. There's things that happen that, oh, Lord, the only way I can explain it is, Lord, that you did it. And I pray, Lord, tonight you just let the word of God speak to our hearts. Give us uh, understanding minds tonight, hearts that are open, ears that are listening, and minds that are willing just, Lord, to take the word of God for what it says. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, we've kind of already hit it. I got way ahead of myself. I don't know why I wrote these notes down, but I got ahead of them tonight. But Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 through 9, is dealing with the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is, that, that wonderful feast that's going to take place in heaven where we're going to sit down with Christ and, and, and fellowship with him in a sense of what we, what we attempt and what we desire to do here by faith. Right, we understand where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst. And, and a couple weeks ago, the Lord let us live that, amen? And let us see that and reminded us again that yes, we might have been small in number last Sunday, but I found out the Lord was still here, amen? And I was glad to find out that he wasn't just here, but he was wherever you were, wherever you were at at that time. And I'm glad tonight that God is not confused to a building. God is not confined to four walls on the side of a highway, but God knows exactly where you are tonight. And the Bible said where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. And he's kept that promise in my life. Say, preacher, really? Do you really believe? Oh, I don't just believe it. I know it tonight. You should have came with me halfway across the world to a little storefront uh, church in Albania where there was but five of us there that day. And the majority of us had flown over there on a plane. And God said, I know exactly where you are. One of the best church services ever had was halfway around the world. <laughs> around a whole bunch of people who had no idea what they were saying and who had no idea what I was saying. And we just went to church and the Lord helped us. But we see tonight there's going to come this wonderful time. But as we get in here, we, we, we understand that verse 7 is speaking about the bride. But then you get down to verse number 9. The Bible said, and he said to me, right, blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so we realize that there's another group of people that are there. Now, the, the, the bride was already there. She is married to the groom in that sense. She, she is already there. So who are these that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Most commentators believe, and, 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 and you say, well, preacher, why are you bring this up? Because it's relevant of where we're going tonight. You say, well, preacher, why, who are these other guests? And most scholars believe, most people that I've read after, and, and it's one of those that, man, you've got to put your thinking cap on. Right, we realize that, that the, the church is the bride of Christ. But they are there, these, these others that are invited there in verse number nine, we believe to be the Old Testament saints that were not part of the church. Right, right now we're living in what's called the church age. We are, we are saved by grace, baptized into the church, and we're grateful for that. There are those Old Testament saints and then you read your Bible and, and for the longest for the longest I thought well that, that, that doesn't happen but before I begin to read my Bible and there there is what we are called tribulation saints now you say well preacher if I can get saved in the tribulation then then I'll just wait till then the reality is if you will not take see I don't want to say we live in the easiest time to get saved but we live in the simplest time 
Right? We have the Word of God before us. We have the complete canon of Scripture. We have the Spirit of God. And we have a, a clear presentation of the gospel that it is by faith and through the gra- or by, by grace through faith. Right? It is a simple uh, a, a reality. Yes, I'm a sinner. I believe that Christ died for me and I'm willing to accept his free gift to repent of my sins and ask him to come to my heart. And it doesn't get any simpler than that. And if somebody will say, you know what, I'm going I'm, I'm to bypass that and I'm we'll get saved it's not going to work that way but the Bible said today is the day of salvation but we do understand tonight when you break down Revelation 7 Revelation chapter number 11 you will find out that there will be witnesses preachers in the tribulation period we know of two of them I believe in Revelation chapter number 7 now we don't know their identities for sure most men will will probably agree or probably say well one definitely has to be Elijah because these men will have the ability to tell the rain to stop when they, we've seen that in Elijah's day. Some say it's Elijah and Moses. Some say it's Elijah and John the Baptist. Some say it's Elijah and Enos, or Enoch. So preacher, who was it? It's two witnesses. <laughs> Amen. And then, and then you have the 144,000, right, that you'll read about uh, in Revelation 11, I believe. I, I meant to write it down, but I forgot to. And, and you'll read about those 144. Those are 12,000 out of 12 tribes of Israel whom God will seal and God will, will put a hedge around that, that no matter what the Antichrist does, he cannot stop them. We understand these men will go forth preaching. These men will go forth proclaiming Christ. And the reality is that there's going to come a time. We talked about it, how, how when, you, when the church is raptured out and the, the Bible uses the word let, the Holy Spirit will, will no longer let or that restrain that the, the Holy Spirit has put on Satan the day and age that we live in. He said, preacher, why is our church not overrun with, with, with criminals? Why is our church not being bombarded and intact? Is it because they, they know that we believe in the Second Amendment right of America, the Constitution here? It may be be a little bit of that. The reality is it's because the Holy Spirit protects this place. But when the Holy Spirit is removed and that, that letting process, that restraint is removed, this world's going to see an evil that it's never seen before. But yet in the midst of that, God is still going to have a witness. Well, say, well, preacher, then I'm going to wait. No, if you wait till that, you're missing out. He'll give you a strong delusion to believe, but there will be some who that will be the first time they've heard the gospel and you've got to realize that things operate different during that time because right now by faith we believe and by faith we are saved and some of us, some of us may face martyrdom. I don't know if that's how you say it or not. Some of us may have to become a martyr to die for our faith, but it is not required of every one of us. Right? Matter of fact, who's the last martyr you knew on a personal basis? Somebody who outright died for their faith. We hear stories about it. We read about Perpetua in the Roman Empire. We know like Jim Elliot, he died for his faith. Men like uh, uh, Wycliffe and men that, that have died in Tyndale that have died for their faith. Well, how many glad you got a Bible tonight? You ought to thank a man by the name of Tyndale who was willing to work and help translate. His translation was used by a lot of the translators in the King James Bible was burned at the stake because he believed the word of God. It was one of the tra- translated the English language. But we see it now. But preacher, well, where are you going with this? Uh, in essence, tonight, that uh, you and I don't have to wait. Right now, the gospel's being presented. The Holy Spirit is here. While he's letting, while the, the Holy Spirit's drawing, you better do business. But we do know there will be some during the tribulation period that will come to faith. They'll believe on the Lord. But the main difference is the moment they make that choice, they have become marked people. And not like me and you that somebody may say something mean to us on Facebook. 
They will not be able to go to the store because they will not take the mark of the beast. They'll face starvation, hunger. Not only that, they'll face death. Their faith will be sealed by blood. And so those that walk around saying, well, bless God, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to get saved during the tribulation or I'm going to be a great Christian during the tribulation and then you can't find them at church on Sunday. <laughs> a salvation that can't get you to church makes me question whether it can get you to heaven. But we see here tonight, and we say, preacher, why did you bring all that in? Because you got to worry, this, this is going to take prior uh, to, to the Lord returning. There's a marriage supper of the Lamb. We know there's the judgment seat of Christ where we'll stand and give an account to the Lord as believers. But then you get down to verse number 11. John said, and I saw heaven opened. You gotta understand this is coming towards the end of the tribulation period, the great tribulation. And really this is right up, right before the battle of Armageddon, which we'll get into next week. And, and it's one of those, it's greater than any science fiction movie you could ever think of. Because it's true. But we're going to see it or not as, as we, we get into this, this reality of, of the triumphant return of King or of the Lord. But Revelation 19, 11 through 13, that's my King. That's my Savior. That's my God. And what a, what a difference we see. Not that he's a different man, but in essence, when he came the first time, he came as the Lord's servant. He came as the lowly Nazarene. He came as... Uh, a man of no reputation, a man who was uh, uh, comely. And there was, matter of fact, he was, he was so, I don't want to say normal, but the Bible said when you looked at him, there was nothing special in, in the physical sense. Now, I will say this. I think Christ looked like a man. <laughs> Preacher, is that really, I, I really, I, I think he was a man's man. I don't think he had long hair and looked like a hippie. I think he looked like a man. I, mean, I think you looked at him, he didn't have to wear a name tag that said, Jesus Christ, he, him, his. <laughs> Stuff makes me so mad. Well, it really makes me mad when I see it on church websites. What kind of foolishness? <laughs> Back to where I was. But notice in verses 11 through 13, we see his description of the Lord on his return. Notice in verse number 11, look what it says. And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. What about that? Look at verse 12. His eyes were as a flame of fire. First thing we, not the first thing, but one of the first things we see is his eyes. They're as flames of fire. You ever looked at somebody they just had that stare? Like they could stare a hole through you? I'm not talking about a thousand yards there where they were just days when they look at you you begin to shake in your boots and you ain't done nothing wrong I'm the kind of person that if I were to get pulled over I knew I, I had nothing to hide I'm not doing anything illegal irresponsible and, I, and in my mind I'm thinking I'm going to jail <laughs> but I've met some people in my life that just got that stare it's like they're staring into your soul but we see here tonight that Jesus, the Bible said his eyes were like as a flame of fire in our Bible. Flame is always a form of judgment. It's always a form of purification. In essence, tonight his eyes will never miss a thing. Right. <laughs> Man, we talked about it already that he'll never miss anything you do for him. Even if you just give a cup of water in his name, he's not going to miss it. But do you realize tonight when he comes back and when he returns, he's not gonna look over this earth and say, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. So have eyes like eyes like the flames of fire. But his eyes, they won't miss a thing. Notice his crowns. Look at verse 
Number 12, his eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. <laughs> in essence, he was saying, hey, I, I got to thinking about this, and, and all I, my, my mind could go back to, I don't know if you watch boxing or not, but I, I like boxing. I don't, it's something about two men getting in a ring, punching each other. I just enjoy it. But every now and again, you'll, you'll, you'll find somebody who, has, who is a champion, and they'll say they are the unified Walter Wake champion of the world. And you'll walk, see them come out in the ring and they'll have three or four belts, two on each arm, one across their midsection because in that way, in all the different boxing organizations, they've won the championship for that. And all I can think, here comes Christ, his eyes are like a flame of fire and he's got crowns of every kingdom on his head saying they thought they were king, they thought they were in charge, Hitler thought he was in charge, they thought they could win, but here I am, I am the king of kings and the lord of lords, there is none greater, there is none better, there is none stronger, and I've got the crown of every kingdom. Notice his, unknown, notice his crowns, and notice, notice he also has an unknown name. Look at verse number 12. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Preacher, what was that name? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, if you take it back to the Hebrew or the Greek and you study that, you can figure out that. The Bible said no man knew. Just like no man knows the hour or the day, no man knows that name. You say, well, preacher, why, why? If we don't know it, why is it in there just to remind us that our God is greater than us, that our God, we can't figure him completely and totally out because if we could, he would not be much of a God. And we find out, not a, we have an unknown name, but also in verses 11 through 13, we got some known names. We got some known names. Look at verse, uh, verse number 11. The Bible said, I saw heaven open up, behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful. <laughs> he was called faithful. Let me ask you, let me ask you tonight, is he faithful? Has he ever left you? Has he ever walked out on you? Has he ever given up on you? Has he ever said, I'm done with you, but I found out that is not true. There's been some times where he should have. There were some times that he could have, but in the midst of all of that, he walked right up into it and said, I didn't leave you in the first place. I've been here the whole time because I am faithful. It's not his description, it's his name. It's a capital F there, faithful. And then he is true. There's nothing false about the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, there's a lot of different gods in this world that people will give their lives for, they will serve for, and they're full of, full of falsehoods. Muhammad said, I, I, I'm God, but he's dead. Buddha said he was, but he's dead. People follow after men, after men, but they're all dead. But there's one that is always and will always be true, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he goes down to uh, let's see, where's the next one at? It's, it's somewhere in there, verse number 13. And his name is called the Word of God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same in the beginning, but we see here this morning, that tonight, that he, tonight what you hold in your hand is the Bible. We call it the Word of God, but it is not just something men came up with. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given his mind on paper, but how many glad? that he is the word of God. With his voice, he spoke the worlds into existence. With his voice, he called you out of hell. With his voice, he saved your soul. It is the word of God, amen. Not only that, but notice this, he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. I like verse number 16, on his vestures and on his thigh, a name written king of kings and Lord of, it's all capital. Jesus said, I want you to miss that. <laughs> 
I want you to see it. It's all, he is king of kings and lord of lords. This outfit that says, well, he's just as good as anybody else, any other gods. All, oh, Joel Osteen said, all, we're all just climbing up the same mountain to the same God. That's hogwash and that's foolishness. There's only one king of kings. There's only one lord of lords. It ain't Buddha, it ain't Muhammad. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's coming, amen. Not only this, notice we know, we see his names. Then we also see his garment. We see his garment. Well, it was white, no doubt. He's righteous, he's holy, he's perfect. But you go down to verse number 13, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. I firmly believe tonight is that when, he, when we see that vesture, it's not with dried blood. It's not with leftover blood, but it is that precious blood that Peter talks about that we, are, that we are redeemed with, that we are bought with. I'm not bought with gold. I'm not bought with silver, but I'm bought with the incorruptible, the perfect shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that blood still speaks tonight. It's on the mercy seat of God saying, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. The price has been paid. The debt has been paid. I just got something this week. And they, there were some things that they said, they, they ran a credit score on me. And they said, there are some things that negative affect your credit score. And it is when you have a debt that is too high. Can I say tonight there was a debt that money could not pay. There was no good works that I could fix but the price has been paid. I'm, I've got, <laughs> I didn't get it on credit. I possess it tonight. And we see here tonight that his garments are dipped in blood. Thank the Lord for his blood tonight. We see his description. Then verse number 14, we see his army. I wrote army. It's, it's army. <laughs> his army. Look at verse number 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. <laughs> oh, preacher, I can't wait. I've been practicing. I'm going to get on my white horse. I'm going to get me one, a stick shooter on both sides. And I'm going to come riding through the right behind the Lord. Pow, 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 pow. Well, that's not how it's going to happen, but you can keep dreaming. Don't let me interrupt your dream, Amen. But I will say your dream ain't biblical. <laughs> Amen. One, one preacher said, I don't know who it was. He said, we're going to leave out of here like Superman and come back like the Lone Ranger. I like that. <laughs> you got you to realize tonight that you and I are going to be part of an army that's going to win. We're going to be the only army ever known to man that's going to win a battle without any weapons. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to be the only army that ever wins a battle and we don't do anything. Oh, no, preacher, I'm, I'm going to get out. I'm going to show the Lord how it's done. No, you're not. You're going to sit on your horse and say, that's my king. That's my Lord. That's my Savior. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jesus. You got it. <laughs> notice the army. Notice whose army is. Well, it's the bride and the saints. We see the white robes. It's, it's a sign of purity and cleanliness. Boy, that thing that you and I struggle with down here. Well, how many struggle with keeping clean? Oh, preacher, I got, it. I got it under wraps. Pray for me. Pray for me. Oh, preacher, you got a suit and tie on. Can I say my mind, my mind is a battlefield just like yours is. Boy, there's coming a day where that battle will be gone. Boy, I can't imagine that. For all of eternity, never have a bad thought. Sometimes I have bad thoughts while I'm preaching. There's going to come a day where I'm not. White horses, that speaks of the righteousness. I've never, I've rode like three horses in my life. And none of them were pleasant experiences. 
But one day I'm going to ride a horse and it's going to look a lot like the Lord's horse. <laughs> Why? Because I got his righteousness. It's not my own. I didn't manufacture it. The Lord gave it to us. We see his description. We see his armies. Then notice verse number 11. We see his purpose. Why is the Lord coming back? Look at verse number 11. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness. Righteousness. He doth judge and make war. But preacher, he gets us. <laughs> oh, he gets us. We just live however we want to. He gets us. Uh, can I say he sure is gracious? But he's never once seen you and I say, you know what, I, I, I get that. I, I agree with that. It's okay. That's not, that's not who he is. He's righteous. But we see here tonight that, that, that we, we looked in the previous week that when the Antichrist comes, he's going to be a man of war, but not in righteousness. He's going to be a man of war for control and domination and, 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 and to, to, to his own will empowered by Satan. But when Christ returns, the Bible said, in righteousness he doth judge. Do you realize tonight that when the Lord is done and everything is finished, you and I won't have anything to, to pick him apart about? When he's done doing what he's going to do, we're not going to step back and say, well, Lord, I think, you, I think you're a little too stiff there, Lord. I think you're a little too strong there. Revelation tells us that when, when they are cast into the lake of fire, when the false prophet, when, when the beast, and when the antichrist, and when, the, and when Satan himself is, is thrown into the lake of fire, the first words that come out of our mouth are hallelujah. We'll rejoice. Because we know that the, that man of sin has been dealt with. But he's come to judge and to make war. <laughs> he's picking a fight. He's going to win. We see here tonight in verse number 13, verse number 12, or excuse me, verse number 11. He, and doth judge and make war. You know, God's never fought a battle and lost. How many of us men can get real? We learn at some point in our life. There's certain people we just don't need to fight. I was in the third grade. I had just got a Brett Favre jersey for Christmas. We were living in Colorado at the time. In Colorado, play, the Denver Broncos played the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. And the Packers lost. But I'm a Packers fan. So Monday after the Super Bowl, I wore my Brett Favre jersey to school. And a kid, a kid named Will grabbed it by the collar and stretched it. I said, meet me outside at recess. We'll straighten you out. I'll never pull my collar like that again. We walked out of the playground. It's like one of them old western movies. <laughs> Tumbleweed come rolling across. I said, come on, let's go. That joker said, I said, uh -oh, what are you doing? <laughs> In about 2.7 seconds, he did a complete 360 roundhouse kick right to my chin. He was a black belt in karate in third grade. <laughs> I learned real quick that just learn to be funny. Nobody wants to fight you. <laughs> oh, I picked some battles that I couldn't win. But the Lord's never faced a battle that he didn't win. Well, we talked about the judges in Sunday school. And there came a time where the nation of Israel, uh, we were in Judges chapter number four this morning. 
five, one of the two were in there, probably in both of those. But we talked about Jael and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But you know that, that Jabin and Sisera, that Jabin was a already conquered foe? Joshua had conquered Jabin. He had defeated Jabin. He was still alive, but he was, he was defeated. And it years down the road, they had forgot the battle the Lord had won. You go read jo- Joshua, somewhere in Joshua. And Joshua goes and he tears apart their chariots. He destroys them. He leaves them with nothing. Just to turn over to the book of Judges, and Israel is now afraid of the chariots. I think sometimes when we forget that the Lord is coming, and that there's going to be a great battle, and the Lord's going to win, when we forget that reality that we're on the winning side, we'll live a defeated life. Walk around like, well, can God do something? Yes, he can. Is the Lord able to help me? Yes, he is. Can the Lord defeat Satan in my life? Yes, he can. How do you know, preacher? Because he already has. So we see it tonight, we see his purpose. He's coming. One of these days he's going to split the eastern sky. He's going to, or heaven's going to open up and the Lord's going to return and me and you, if you're saved by the grace of God, we're going to be right behind him. <laughs> Saying, yeehaw. <laughs> Let's go, Lord. Boy, could you imagine that? Just, just dwell on that for a little bit. That I get to be a part of that. That I get to be on the winning side. And that, that I get to see Jesus do what only Jesus can do. Well, how many glad that he's coming back tonight? And how many glad you're coming back with him? If you don't know that for sure tonight, I wouldn't leave until you get that figured out. Until you get that settled tonight. Until you know for sure that if, if we're going to fast forward in time, you're going to come back with him. And that he's going to come back for you in the rapture of the church. If you don't know that for sure tonight, I would not leave until you get that settled. And know for sure tonight. Let's pray.